Hey folks, it's Josh Karievsky for episode 39 of the Modern Agile Show. It's very exciting to have David Parker here. He's an Agile coach from Workday, a company that is involved in human capital management. Did I get that right? Excellent. Well, uh, pleasure to have you on the show. Great to be here. Been enjoying the show a long time. Yeah. Well, um, we uh, we were just talking to each other a couple months ago at the um, the Agile Open uh, event. It's an open space gathering of folks who are interested in lean and agile things, and it's in uh, it was, it's in Berkeley, California. So it's a conference that I can actually bike to. Just um, up the road. Yeah. Yeah. And you gave a wonderful uh, session on agile talent acquisition. Yeah, it was sort of a fascinating experience uh, getting to be a part of uh, a big company's journey to try and reinvigorate the talent acquisition function. Yes. And I learned a ton yeah. about, you know, both about that that function and how it how it works in a big company and also about, you know, applying agile in a, you know, in a novel space. Yeah, I mean that that's what drew me to that session that uh, I'm always interested in applying lean and agile principles to all kinds of human endeavors. So this is talent acquisition, and as a owner of a business, we, we hire people. Mm -hmm. I was also interested in you know, what, what did you do? What problems did you encounter, and how did you solve them? So we're gonna tell this story today, and um, well, I'm excited to, to dive into it. Um, before we get started with that, so you've been coaching for about over 10 years. That's right. I actually had a, a marketing job, and I got laid off, and a friend of mine said, there's this guy and he teaches this thing called Scrum and I was like, that sounds weird. I'll go check it out. So, you know, I, I, I called him up, uh, uh, my friend Mishkin Bertig in, in Toronto, a oh. uh, Scrum trainer, has been t uh, teaching a long time and he said the best way to understand, like, understand Scrum is to just come and take my class. Hmm. And so I sat through the class and I remember my, my two impressions coming away was, you know, coming from a marketing background, I was like, there's no way this can work. Like, I don't understand how you can sell this. But if it did work, this would revolutionize work, particularly in the marketing space where we thrive on making big, grandiose plans mm. and then, and as a marketer, getting them swept out from under you because of a change in the market reality. Right. You know, which is something in, in the Agile space we really understand. Yes. Right? yes. How to adapt to that. Yes. That's so, excellent. Yeah. Awesome. And so, um, and then you were, I know you, you were heavily influenced by this book here, this book by Mary and Tom Poppendike, Lean Software Development. Yeah, their, their work you know, has been uh, really formative for the way I think about things. Also, uh, some other you know, key Agile books like Alistair Coburn's book and Jim Highsmith. And, yes, you yes, know, yes. I, I think because I worked with, with Michigan, I didn't just drink the Scrum Kool-Aid. He was more like, you need to understand where Agile comes from, understand yes. the background and why things are the way they are. Mm. Yes, we sell you know trainings that are very popular in the Scrum space, but there's so much more to Agile. Right, good for him. Yeah, yeah that's excellent. Yeah, so you're, you're influenced by lots of different thinkers. Yeah, um, that's great. Um, so why don't we talk about you know agile talent acquisition? Sure. Um, I know you worked at a very large, well-known company when you did this. We're not going to name that company, um, but um, 
you know, that was um, that was where it was happening, right? That's right. Big, large company. In the talent acquisition, if you think about talent in an organization, it falls kind of underneath the HR banner, right? Yeah. And talent has, um, has an acquisition function, which is recruiting and bringing talent into your organization. Then there's uh, talent onboarding and helping people get situated into their job. And then there's also the talent retention mm -hmm. and helping them to develop skills, which is learning and development. Sure. So what I was focused on was in the talent acquisition area, and that part of the organization has got 2,500 people globally. Yeah. It's a huge, you know, it's a huge organization. Mm. And so... Just involved in recruiting people. Just involved in recruiting people. Finding great talent. Right. Wow. Right. So that's, that's, this is a ginormous organization, global organization. So 2,500 people just involved in talent acquisition. Exactly. And, and they have different responsibilities related to talent acquisition. There's a, there's a pretty linear talent acquisition process. Some people are responsible for, for example, developing job descriptions and posting job descriptions online and attracting talent. And then there's other people who are responsible for talking to you know, potential candidates and sure. trying to interest them in the company. Yes. And you know, there's a sales dimension, right? You're tr trying to sell candidates on the vision of your company and, mm -hmm. the, and the skills that they'll develop in your organization, yeah. who they're gonna get to work with, what challenges they're gonna solve. And then there's other people who, who do things like coordinating schedules and getting people into the room together so they can have interviews. And then there's also people who are working behind the scenes who are trying to improve the talent acquisition process just overall. Mm -hmm. And so I was working with people who are trying to improve talent acquisition process and you know, they, they saw the, uh, you know, the opportunity to try and apply some agile thinking mm -hmm. to the talent acquisition process. And so that's yeah, so you know, that's, where we honed in. And that's where, so that's where they asked for your help. Yeah, they said we need a coach you know, who can uh, take all of this, th all this stuff, and, and apply it in this new domain. Got it. Okay. So, what was your first? So, obviously, it's, it's it was too slow. The process was too slow from the point at which someone wanted to hire a person. Is that a hiring manager? A hiring manager. Yeah, a manager who has basically approval to hire. They've got a budget to bring a person into their team. Either they're replacing somebody who's left, or it's in a growth area where you know they're they're going to try and get some new skills to develop. Yes. Uh, you know, to yeah, something, something, something. They need to hire somebody, so right. they make a request to some group of people saying, "Hey, find me someone who fits this mold." That's right. Fits this description. So we say there's um, an engagement model, a model for engaging talent acquisition, mm -hmm. and the typical way of uh, the, the let's say the the front door of the linear talent acquisition process is to say like. Um, I'm hiring manager. I want to go and recruit. You know, want to hire somebody. Find me a recruiter, and the recruiter partners with the hiring manager to develop a job description and post an advertisement online. Mm. And the the typical or the traditional uh, talent acquisition process. Uh, one of the one of the phrases that's used in that industry is the post and pray model, where you, you post the job and then <laughs> you pray that the right person comes along. Oh God! And what's really challenging is, I mean, in uh, in oh, our okay. like in in tech, you know, in software, there's very little unemployment, so there's very few people who are just look, you know. Yeah. They're just waiting around for the right job to come along. Most right. people are employed, mm -hmm. and yeah. most people. Uh, they need to be attracted and, and brought over. So mm -hmm. there's more to uh, the talent acquisition process than just posting and praying that somebody comes along. Sure, right? sure. So they needed some leverage in, as a way to get uh, get into you know get in front of candidates mm -hmm. and to try and give them their pitch for why they should go to that big company. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. So 
Okay, how did you apply some of these principles of lean or agile to this, this particular problem? Where did you start? You know, it's funny, where we started is really not where we ended up. Mm -hmm. Like we started, I think, with the philosophy that we were going to apply the most popular agile framework, which is Scrum, that we were going to apply Scrum to the talent acquisition process. I see. So you were given that as a kind of mandate? That was sort of like, yeah, yeah. that was the, David, the challenge. David, go bring Scrum to talent acquisition. That's right. And and one of the things you know that I've, that I've learned is that you can't just drop things willy-nilly from Scrum and have it still be Scrum. Like the elements of Scrum are there for a reason. Yeah. And so it, it was very clear from the beginning that we weren't going to just... Uh, um, just rob Scrum of its some of its key rules and then call it Scrum in talent acquisition. So right. we had to really kind of pull back the layers and say, okay, what we're really looking at is developing a framework for agility. It needs clear values. It needs clear principles. It needs uh, some some of the elements. You know, what are the what are the practices and what are the principles that really apply yes. for, for talent acquisition? Right. And we knew that we were developing a new thing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, like, one of our principles was focus. Right. Like, one, we honed in on talent acquisition professionals need to focus in order to get the job done. Right. But usually what they're doing is each individual recruiter is holding, like, a, a quota. They need to meet a quota or a, they have a, a slate of candidates that they need to right. recruit every quarter, for I example. Mm-hmm. And that reduces their ability to focus because they're constantly trying to juggle many, many uh, different priorities. I see. So we, we, we enabled them to shift to, towards um, focusing on the top priority candidates from the perspective of the hiring manager. You know, if they were to list out every everybody that they wanted, which is number one, and go after number one instead of go after the, the easiest roles right, to fill. because you want to get your quota filled. So yeah. if it's a quota, you're like, oh, I mean, I've got to get X number of people in the door. Exactly. But I don't care if they're the low-value people. Like, obviously, some people are strategic to the organization. Some people play a, a less strategic role, That's an right. important role, but maybe less strategic. But from a hiring person or one of these talent acquisition leads, they would just want to hit their own individual quota. Yeah. If they're yeah. told that they need to hit a certain number then they're going to focus on what's easiest to fill rather right. than on what's strategic for the company. So we had yeah. to, so that was one of our key things to shift. So you had to shift from individual accountability for metrics that weren't actually that good for the organization to a group model. That's right. right. And it, it required a partnership between the recruiter and the, the hiring manager mm. to talk about what were the most strategic, most important roles to fill. Now, just for a second, a lot of times when, when there's a metric in place like this, like a quota to fill for an individual, doesn't doesn't that affect like, their bonus or how they're you know so like did you have to work with people to change that? We did, yeah. yeah. One, uh, luckily the the bonus structure uh, wasn't in, it was no longer in place, you know, uh, and maybe that was part of the clearing the way yeah. for uh, for introducing agile right. to clear things like that that, mm-hmm. that disincentivized yeah. people. Yeah. Uh, from doing the the right job, right? Because that can often be a real sticking point. Oh yeah, folks, people care about money, and they're like, "Yeah, no, you're not going to change me to agile if it's going right. to uh, lower what goes in my wallet." That's right. Mm-hmm. Another thing that we uh, we focused on in terms of uh, you know the principles of a, uh, that would underlie an, an agile or, or lean approach was uh, we've we looked at the concept of commitment. Yeah. Right. 
So when when a hiring manager believes and learns to, you know, learns to expect that they're going to get what was committed to them, yep. then they're more likely to just ask for what they need at that moment rather than like, this is more just in time thinking, mm-hmm. right? Because the typical uh, approach to uh, t- you know, to uh, to recruiting is the hiring manager basically asks for any possible position for the next, you know, maybe they won't need that position for a year or two. Oh, I see. But because it's going to be a really hard skill to, to obtain, yeah. they'll ask for it far in advance. I see. Right? But if, the, if once there's trust built up that the recruiter will deliver what they've committed to based on an understanding of the marketplace, based on the skills, based, you know, based on what the salary range is, you know, the, the, the recruiter will give that data back to the hiring manager and right. say, this is what I believe we could fulfill, right. and then they deliver that, yeah. then this trust is built up. So yes. we, we really underlie the, 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 this, this concept of commitment and trust are, are intertwined. So as a team, you gathered, so you, you t- mentioned 2,500 people earlier. You didn't work with 2,500 people, right? It was not, you know, I couldn't scale myself to yeah. So <laughs> I did this, a, is this an area of the larger company or a smaller area of it, or? We we did a couple of things. When one of the one of the key approaches was to develop e-learning, and so I, I put together a lot of uh, training content. Oh, and you know we incentivized people to uh, yeah. to get the e-learning, mm-hmm. you know, by giving them badges and recognizing their mm-hmm. accomplishments. And we we structured the badges in such a way that you could get a knowledge badge by learning about you know this uh, agile and lean approach to uh, to recruiting. But then beyond that, if they were able to get some experience with it, then they could mm-hmm. get the next badge. Oh, and if they I were see. able to show some mm-hmm. results, they would get the next badge. Right. And so we tried to you know, help uh, build it up that way to, to, yeah. to scale. Okay. Another approach we did was uh, communities of practice. So people who were trying to learn these concepts of applying agile and lean principles and practices to the work uh, of recruiting, you know, then they would share ideas with each other. I see. Yeah. Now you mentioned as well when we first talked about this um, back in October, and you, you mentioned visualizing the work. That was key. They didn't really have a good sense for what the work was until you actually visualized it. From can you explain a little bit? Well, every talent acquisition professional knows their craft. Like they're yes. you know they're they know the process right. in, inside and out. Mm-hmm. The hiring managers, on the other hand, don't know the process. Right. Right. So what we basically did was. We, we, like on a Kanban board, we've got, we had columns for exactly each step in the talent acquisition process, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we would show the hiring managers, just l- have it all laid out. They'd yeah. say, okay, step one in the process, you know, is uh, developing a job description, right? Step two in the process is posting an advertisement for the job online, right? And then the next p- step in the process is shortlisting a set of candidates. But, but the hiring manager, because they knew exactly what was next, it brought transparency, I see. and so visualizing the workflow yeah. really enabled one. It was um, made the conversation very clear between the hiring manager and the talent acquisition professional yeah. what they were into, you know, the common endeavor. Right. And then the other thing was they could both see where the work was piling up. Right. You could see the bottlenecks. You could see the bottlenecks. Well, yeah. That's hugely beneficial. And where were the typical bottlenecks? Well, this. Uh, Recruiters all know, <laughs> but this was something that they didn't have the data to uh, to explain. Recruiters all know that the bottleneck really is on the hiring manager side. <laughs> hiring managers are like, I, want, I need you to go, 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 and find me someone re- really, really fast. But then when you visualize the work and you can see the, the work was piled up at 
we're waiting for hiring manager feedback. We're oh, waiting for the hiring yeah. manager's availability to do interviews. We're right. waiting for the hiring manager to you know, get, yeah. get back from their holidays, to give us an answer about who they want to make an offer to. So now, now they can see it, and they can see it piling up, and they said, oops, I don't, I'm, as the hiring manager, I don't want to be the person slowing things down. That's right. So what they would do is they would, uh, for example, one strategy was the hiring manager would delegate to somebody on their team authority mm -hmm. to make hiring decisions. Sure. It was sort of an explicit part of the agreement for working in this lean agile model was to say, okay, if we're going to follow this this approach. One, it's going to be very intense. We're yep. going to work in a much more tight knit way between the hiring manager and the uh, recruiter. And when we get into you know uh, impediments, when there's things that slow us down, are you, you know we're going to delegate to, you know, we're ask you to delegate to somebody else in your organization who can make decisions to move things forward. Great. Yeah, so it was simply by visualizing the work and seeing where things piled up, we could say, okay, what are the strategies that we need to break through that bottleneck? Right, and right. as a team, they came up with those. That's right. Right. And awesome. they, they dramatically improved the time to delivery. It, yeah. It was cut in half. It was cut in half. Yeah. So the typical, so if you look at all the averages of, of how long it took to, to hire someone, it you, you basically halved it. Right. I mean, indus <coughs> the industry standards, like a gold standard recruiting is somewhere in like the 80 to 100 day range. Mm -hmm. From think request, about like, from from request, request to, to the time somebody is hired, okay. right? So we're talking like three months. Yeah, yeah. And they were able to do it in, you know, six to eight weeks. Yeah. I mean, dr dramatically different. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Now you mentioned, well, uh, something about parallelization. Like what, mm -hmm. so can you say more about that? What, what was serialized and what became parallelized? One of the things that I think was made possible by bringing together um, teams of, of recruiters was that they could see uh, where the hiring need was and where they were getting receptivity. You know, let's say you're, you're recruiting for you know, software developer in, in Austin, yeah. right? It's a, it's a hot market, lots of, you know, the people are even moving to Austin so they can get these uh, software development jobs, mm -hmm. right? So if your hiring manager says that they want to hire a software developer in, in Austin, then you go, okay, well, your chances are pretty good, right? So instead of just doing one recruiter's job, hiring one, one candidate, you know, put together a team that'll source and attract a number of, you know, software developers, and each of those recruiters can share, you know, share candidates. Mm -hmm. Right, so that was one where, way that they were able to parallelize the work is by finding commonalities and mm. in the market where they were trying to attract talent. So different hiring managers asking for, and, and if there's a pool of, of folks who are seeing, oh wait, my person, this person I found is going to fit either one of these opportunities. That's right. That it, would, it wouldn't be so, you know. They're able to connect, to connect the dots. Another thing mm. that we did, you know, I, I could have mentioned when we talked about focus was Having a number of hiring managers contacting a team of recruiters could be kind of unwieldy. Yes. So what we did was we said all of those hiring managers should have a focal point in right. their organization, mm. and we called them the headcount owner. Right. Mm. This is the person whose job it is to take all of the requests and to prioritize them into a in, into a backlog. I see. Right. So the when you said um, like let's say hiring a a new vice president, that's a big deal. Yeah. Versus hiring someone who's like, let's say, very low, low level entry person job, you know, their first right. job out of school, whatever. There's a big difference there in terms of what there value is. they bring to the organization. So we uh, we didn't focus 
this uh, lean agile approach on executive recruiting, mm -hmm. particularly because there's like this white glove treatment with with executives. Yeah. But one of the things that we were able to do was give some level of that white glove treatment to uh, what we call passive candidates. Mm -hmm. So I mentioned how like in the, the in the workforce, there's very low unemployment. So most people are sitting in, you know, they're in a job already. To, in order to attract that person, they're, they may be willing to move, but only if the right opportunity came along right. and if they were able to have some certainty that yeah. we're gonna move forward very quickly. Mm -hmm. So we were able to attract more of this passive talent by giving them you know, a lot of focused attention, mm -hmm. getting them very quickly in front of a hiring manager, right. being able to give them the details of the job that they would be doing mm -hmm. and to enable them to make uh, a decision to leave their current employment for something hopefully better for them. I see. Right. So you really focused as a team, you all focused on these high value hires. That was huge. Yeah, and I think you you were saying like they'd hire like on the average 60 people a month or something like that or depending on it, really it depended on the team and the market that they were working in, mm -hmm. but we saw a lot yeah. of real, you know positive signs. Yeah. yeah. That enabling the recruiters to focus by building trust with hiring managers by being able to deliver a better experience to candidates rather than keeping them waiting on the line for months and months at a time, right. that those things would all work in the company's advantage. I see, so lots of little, lots of subtle and different er little areas for improvement, which ultimately led to a 50% reduction in, in the hiring process. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's like seeking perfection. You're, in Lean, we talk about see, ultimately you're seeking perfection. So would you retrospect regularly as a team? Yeah, one of the things that we did was we changed the length of the, uh, we, remember we were borrowing some scrum terminology, so we were trying to give the recruiters uh, a fixed time box to focus in. So we said, okay, well let's, let's focus our hiring project on a six week uh, sprint, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the things we did was we decoupled the retrospective from the end of the sprint, and we said, you yeah. need to have retrospectives all the time. Yeah, right. Yeah, have a daily meeting, but ask yourselves, what are we learning as we're trying to go after these candidates? Right. You know, biweekly. Let's see if there's a way that we can improve the process. Mm -hmm. You know, so you know, retrospectives just became the norm. An ongoing, ongoing almost daily, just or, the way of doing things, multi times per week. Yeah. You're, you're retrospecting and learning. And and I'll say, you know, having worked a lot with software developers, the difference I saw in human resources is the comfort with, uh, with retrospectives. That's great. They're maybe it's maybe it's because they work in the people space, but they're yep. much more comfortable with having frequent retrospectives mm -hmm. and figuring out ways to improve. Hmm. It's really it was a really cool observation to see. Now you also measured um, net promoter scores. That's right. We would send surveys to. We'd send surveys to the candidates, to the hiring managers, even to the recruiters, and ask them about their experience. Mm. And so we had, you know, world class uh, net promoter scores. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Is fantastic. Really neat. Another big metric that that changed was uh, cancellation rates. Mm. So oh, yeah. what typically happens in uh, a linear recruiting process is that because it takes so long, th there's this gap between the time that funding is approved for the role mm -hmm. and the time that the person is hired. Yes. And by the time the person is hired, it may be another quarter or another half of a year, and they go, well, that funding is dried up, wow. right? Yeah. So what we said was 
that in order to in order to ensure that the people we're recruiting will be hired, we had to uh, lock in funding from the beginning. So mm -hmm. no roles would get pursued if there wasn't funding for them, mm -hmm. right? And so we dropped cancellation rates by 75% hmm. just by, by putting in an explicit policy and then backing, uh, and then backing it up with actual results. I see. So that was an, another, you know, in, in Lean we talk about making your policy decisions explicit, Yep. right? And then backing it up with, with data. Yeah. And essentially, you know, it, had, we, had we not been able to show results in a much, a much quicker period of time, right. then the, you know, uh, the people who controlled the money would have been like, yeah, that's not working for us. But we showed it yes. and the results came in. Fantastic. So um, yeah, the, the sense of building up trust with the hiring managers and the talent, ac uh, you know, acquisition folks, really, it, trust was huge. Because now you would, you, you'd you say, I wouldn't have to give you something that I really don't need to hire this person for a year. They wouldn't, they'd stop doing that, in right. other words. They would just give you, I need to hire them in the next X number of months. Let's go to work, right? So they be, they formed that trust so that they no longer had to, you know, game the system or mess with the system. Exactly. Yeah. Wonderful. And um, is it still gone? When you left, did it continue mm -hmm. without you? Yeah. So, I mean, I think a, a couple of things happened when I when I left. The uh, the organization is still committed to uh, you know to applying lean and agile concepts and right. you know to to the work of recruiting. Part of it really is just the challenge of a, a big company has to uh, in order to you know in order to change things at a higher level. Uh, it just takes more time. Yes. And you know, the things that we did, you know, during the course of this uh, this project that I was involved in, uh, by creating e-learning, like that needs also time to build up a critical mass of people who have an, who have this new understanding. Yeah. Right. Yeah. As a part of upskilling mm -hmm. a, a large workforce. Wow. Uh, another thing is, uh, I mean, I'm sure you you know that when you're following an agile approach, your your problems just get kind of. Uh, you, you you can hone in on your problems. The problems are, are clearer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, getting the uh, getting a clear sense of what's going on, what's made visible by trying to be more nimble and flexible, graceful. Yes. In the, in yes. the work, right? Quick, easy uh, grace in in, in, in talent acquisition. Right? Yeah. So, in the pursuit of quick, easy grace in talent acquisition, you need more uh, people who understand the vision. Yeah. who can you know get behind it and that's you know that's um, a part of it is about knowledge building and getting a con strong sense of how to work together so yeah, I, mean, I, I think it's it's gonna it'll be ongoing yeah. and you know I've heard from uh, some of my former colleagues and they're they're happy with the you know they're still happy with the work that we've done and that's great yeah continued yeah, it's it, it's it's, it's uh, they realized the value of it so obviously they want to continue to nourish it and 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 have it uh, help them in the in the very you know Competitive talent acquisition space. Oh yeah, so it's a mar remarkable story. And roughly, how long did all this take? What was this transformation? They had started their journey about uh, six months before I came on, and then I worked on it for about a year and a half. Mm -hmm. Okay, so yeah, okay. yeah, definitely a couple of years to yeah. And that was just laying it. laying the foundation, right? Laying mm -hmm. the groundwork for yeah. you know in, in the, the human the human resources is a ripe space yes. for agility and applying yeah. these concepts of quick, easy grace. I love it. It's a place that needs yeah. disruption. Yeah. But it's also not a place that's really comfortable with change. Right. 
Right. So you know, things are going to build up over time. Yeah. Well, David, thank you so much for sharing your, your wisdom and Absolutely. your journey about uh, agile talent acquisition. And I, I know you obviously have a lot more you offer in terms of your lean and agile coaching, but this was a great story to share with our uh, audience. And uh, hey, thanks for uh, coming on the show. Absolutely, my pleasure. It, please keep the show going. I, I, I love uh, I love the episodes, and you get like so many great guests. So well, you're I'm one of them. To be you're a part of it. Them. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> thank you so much. And uh, if you enjoyed the show, please share this with others. We are on YouTube. We also uh, take the audio from the shows and put it onto a podcast, so you can find us on the podcast networks you follow. And thanks again for watching.